morning. It is the last Sunday of January. It is the last day of January 2021. I have a, I'm curious, how many of you made New Year's resolutions going into 2021? A few brave souls, okay. How many of you are still keeping those New Year's resolutions? A few, uh, a few of us, a few of us. You know, the uh, National Public Radio, they did a survey a few years back, and they discovered half of Americans make New Year's resolutions, half of American adults. And the number one resolution is fitness, a healthy lifestyle. And, and that's good. You know, gym membership, they sold most of their memberships in January of each year. That's how they make all their money. But unfortunately, analysis from Strava, one of those workout apps, they discovered that all that activity, all that good intention tends to drop off by the third Thursday in January each year. <laughs> Meanwhile, Foursquare, which keeps track of the different restaurants people are going to, they discovered an uptick in going to fast food restaurants by February 9th. 40 days after the new year. Yeah, man, these New Year's resolutions. Maybe you feel like this when it comes to keeping your health commitments. And I swear that I'm not gonna lose you now. I'll keep you in my life so much. And even when the lights go down, down, I could never lose you now. And even though we're not so We've been in this series, New Year, New You. And you are not going to be a new you in 2021 if you bring your old habits with you. So we've been looking at what the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 6. God says, in all your ways, know God, and he will make straight your paths. In all your ways, know God, seek him, want what he wants, and he will make your path straight. He'll show you which way to go. He will remove the barriers that are blocking you, the things that are tripping you up. And so we talked about, well, what are these different areas? We looked at the area of finances. If we honor God with our finances, he says he will cause uh, us, he'll make sure we have everything we need. He'll cause us to overflow with joy. And I have seen this true in my own life. Just this month, my wife and I, well, we've always been uh, honoring God with our tithes. We've been returning that 10%. But we said, God, we want to give more. And so in this new year, we put it into our budget, our, our spending plan, a category called hilarious giving. We said we want to set aside extra money so we can give to people in need, so we can uh, take friends out to eat who need that, that pick-me-up. Someone is sick, we want to be able to take them a meal. Well, we added this to our budget, and God says, no, you can't outgive me. We refinanced our home recently, and our first home payment is not until March 1st. So it's like God saying, okay, I'm going to give you back that house payment. And so many of you have said the same thing. You said throughout this year, as you've honored God with your tithing, even throughout the pandemic, you've seen God take care of you. Here's what the Bible says. The generous will prosper. 
those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. Know God in your finances. Then we talked about knowing God as, and seeking God as he corrects us. And we saw that God's correction makes me better. And then we looked at knowing God in our relationships. We saw if we want to have a good relationship with God and with other people, we have to develop two qualities. Loving kindness means doing kind things to those we love, and faithfulness, keeping our word. Now, if you miss any of the lessons in this series, I challenge you, I encourage you, I plead with you, watch them. We have them all on our website, bcfchurch.com. Just click at the link at the top that says uh, watch online, and you can watch all of our past messages. But I want to explain something right now about the book of Proverbs. The book of Proverbs in the Bible is not a book of Bible promises. It is a book of Bible principles. You see, God does not promise that if you just do these things, you'll be rich, everyone will like you, and you'll never get sick. God is not promising these things. These are principles, which means God, who created the universe, who knows how everything is supposed to work, says if you do these things, things will tend to go well for you. God says, this is the owner's manual. Here's how life is supposed to work. Unfortunately, our world is broken. Sometimes, even if we do things right, things don't work out. But God does promise this. God does promise that no matter what happens, he says, I will never leave you. So what is Proverbs? Proverbs is a book of Bible principles. God says, when you do these things, life tends to work out. And we've seen this in our lives. Now we're going to look at the area of our health. What does God say about our health journey? Now I know so many of us, we want this. We want to be healthy. I see your prayer requests each week. And the number one prayer request is pray for my health. Pray for my friend who is sick. Pray for uh, my relatives that they'll get well. Lord, please protect us from this illness, from the coronavirus. And we know... There's something wrong with my body. It's not working the way it should. What's God's principle? Here's what God says. Here, God says, here's how life works. If you follow my ways, you will have healing for your body and strength for your bones. Healing and strength. I want that. So what do we do? What is the principle? Here's what God says in the verse just before that. Proverbs 3 verse 7 says, Don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Instead, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. I'd like you to take out your notes right now if you haven't done so already. I, wanna, I want you to follow along. See, what does God say about finding healing and strength? If you're watching online, your, your hosts there in the chat, they'll give you links so that you can also follow along online. Here's what God says in Proverbs 3, verse 7. He says, number one, if you want to be healthy and strong, don't depend on your own wisdom. He says, don't be impressed with your own wisdom. See, so often, I think that I know what is best for me. And God says, no, you don't. You don't know what's best. For example, God says in his word, he says, you should have six days each week for your ordinary work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest 
dedicated to the Lord your God. God says, I designed you to work six days and rest on the seventh. But we think, God, I know better than you. And I'm going to work a 14-day shift, and I'm going to pick up a bunch of extra overtime because I know that I need the money, and God, I'm strong. I can do this. And you can't. And it wears you down. And it's killing you. God says, no, I didn't design you to do that. I designed you to rest one day in seven. Now, by the way, rest does not mean you just spend all day on the couch. Like, hey, someone, feed me. In your notes, I want you to circle this phrase, rest from your ordinary work, the things that you normally do. Sometimes on a rest day, we work, but it's work we enjoy. Like some of you enjoy woodworking, and some of you enjoy fishing, and I've gone fishing with some of you, and it's a lot of work. And some of you enjoy mowing the lawn. More power to you. But you do different things. Don't depend on your own wisdom. Another way I depend on my own wisdom is I think, God, I know better than you about the stuff I put in my mind. And I say, God, I know you say uh, people shouldn't commit adultery or kill people or curse or steal, but it's okay if I watch it in this TV show. And it's not me doing it, it's them. Here's what Jesus said. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. He's saying the things that you put inside your heart, that is what is going to come out. Do you do that? Do you say, God, I know better than you? I says, don't depend on your own wisdom. Don't be impressed with your own wisdom. What should we do instead? Instead, fear the Lord. Fear the Lord. Now, you're going to see this phrase over and over again in the Bible. What does it mean to fear the Lord? I want to talk about three different ways. Number one, fearing the Lord means I care more about what God thinks of me than anyone else. So much of our stress in this life is trying to impress other people, trying to put on this fake version of myself that will impress everyone else. Who are you trying to impress? God says, I don't want you to try to impress other people. The Bible says fearing people is a dangerous trap, but trusting in the Lord means safety. God says, don't worry about what other people think. Only worry about what I think. Whose opinion are you trying to get the most? Whose opinion is more important to you than God's? Fearing God means I care more about what he thinks. Second, fearing God means I want to please God more than I please myself. I want to please God more than I please myself. It's like that's my theme song or something. I want to please God. What does that mean? Now, this is a big one for me. Without God, most of my choices are all about what is going to make me happy. Everything I choose is like, okay, what's going to make me happy? What's going to please me? Jesus, on the night that he was arrested, the night that Jesus was arrested, and he knew what was coming. He knew that the cross was coming. He prayed this to his father. He said, Father, please 
take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet, I want your will, not mine. He said, I want what you want more than me. For me, this means, God, I'm not going to watch this show or this movie or read this book that is not pleasing you. I care more about what you want than what's going to make me happy. And I'm not pretending that's easy. It's hard. It's hard giving up your favorite show. It's hard giving up that movie that everyone and their mother is watching. In fact, one of my most common texts to my accountability partners is pray for me. I want to go back and watch this show that I know I shouldn't. It's not easy. But I'm saying, God, I want to please you. If you want healing and strength, don't depend on your own wisdom. Fear the Lord. The third, re- third, way, uh, third meaning of fearing the Lord is recognizing that there will be consequences for disobeying God. In Proverbs chapter 5, God warns a young man who is addicted to sex outside of marriage. And he says, in the end, you will groan in anguish when disease consumes your body. You will say, how I hated discipline. If only I hadn't ignored all the warnings. God wants to protect you from the pain of sexually transmitted diseases. And here in the valley, HIV is huge. And God says, I don't want you to suffer from that. I don't want you to feel that pain. I care about you. God says, I don't want you to suffer the pain of broken marriage, of broken relationships. God wants to protect us from that pain that comes from living life our own way. So God says, don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. If I want to be healthy and strong, I must turn away from what I know is wrong. Now in that verse, it says, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. I want you to circle that little word, and. Because these two thoughts are connected. Fear the Lord and turn from evil. You can't do one without the other. If I fear the Lord, if I love God, if I want to make him happy more than myself, I must turn from what I know is wrong. Author Philip Yancey wrote about a friend of his named Susan. And Susan claimed to be a Christian, but she told uh, Mr. Yancey, she said, you know, my husband, he's just not satisfying me. And she says she's actively looking for other men to meet her needs for intimacy. She says, I want to find some other men who are going to please me. Now, her friend, Philip Yancey, is is horrified, and he's concerned, and he's talking with her. And then he's, he's so confused when she says, you know, I spend, I rise up early each day to spend an hour with the Father. Every morning she's getting up and she says, I spend an hour praying to the Father, praying to God. He's like, well, well, in all your times where you're meeting with God, does he ever say anything to you about these choices that you're making? Things that might, you know, maybe I shouldn't leave my husband to find other men? She says, well, the Father and I are into relationship, not morality. 
Relationship means he wholly supports me. He doesn't judge me. Friends, that is a lie from hell. To know God is to love God. To know God means, God, I want what you more want more than what I want. I care about pleasing you more than pleasing myself. It means I will turn from the things that I know will hurt me. Susan is headed for a life of pain and misery. Her choices are dangerous, damaging, and deadly. Fearing the Lord means I turn from what I know is wrong. God says, if you do this, if you stop trusting your own wisdom, if you care about what I care about more than yourself, if you turn from what you know is wrong, then, he says, then you will have healing for your body and strength for your bones. What is healing for my body and strength for my bones? What's God talking about here? It's God saying, if you do these things, you're going to have strong teeth and healthy bones. It's like milk. It does your body good. Remember that commercial? Yeah, I know. I just told you all my age by saying that. <laughs> Often the Bible talks about our bones as a picture of who we are on the inside. King David prayed this. He said, heal me, Lord, for my bones are in agony. Does David have bone disease, osteoporosis? Oh, well, Maybe. But then he clarifies. He says, here's what I mean. I am sick at heart. He's saying, I am sick on the inside. It's like that saying, I, I feel it in my bones. What are we saying? We're saying, I feel it deep inside. Or even that, that song, I'm bad to the bone. <laughs> Is he saying, I've got bone disease? No. He's talking about, here's who I am on the inside. In the Bible, when it talks about who we are in our bones, it's talking about God saying, I want to be healthy and strong. I want to be whole and healthy from the inside out. Our emotional health and our physical health are connected. For example, we all know you should eat healthy. I should make healthy food choices. And yet, scientists, researchers did this study that found that stress can override your healthy food choices. They did a study of 58 women, and they gave them these two different meals. There was one meal that was nasty and greasy and all that bad stuff for you, and the other one that was a healthy choice with healthy plant-based oils. They discovered that on a day where a lady was stressed and she made the healthy choice, she ate the healthy food, it had the same effect on her body as the unhealthy food. Friends, if you're making healthy food choices and you're not losing weight, your doctor might ask you, hey, are you stressed out? Are you getting sleep at night? Stress affects our bodies. In fact, the Mayo Clinic says that stress causes headaches, muscle tension, chest pain, upset stomach, fatigue, and sleep problems. How do I find healing for emotional sickness? Viruses, disease, and death caused by our broken world. But so often, how we are on the inside, our emotional health affects, it even makes worse disease. WebMD states that stress can cause heart disease, 
It can worsen asthma and diabetes. Stress can cause accelerated aging and premature death. Yikes. God, I want to be healthy on the inside. So how do we do that? I want to look at three different verses where the Bible talks about how we feel about health in our bones. How do we get emotionally healthy? Number one, if I want to be emotionally healthy, I must admit hidden sin. King David, remember he wrote about his bones in agony. He wrote this. He said, when I kept silent about my sin, my bones wasted away. Underline that. This is my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. See, hidden sin, refusing to admit the wrongs we've done, refusing to admit it to God and someone we trust, it takes up huge amounts of mental and emotional energy. In fact, studies show that people who hide their failures are more likely to suffer from headaches, nausea, and back pain. And they're more likely to have hypertension, the flu, and cancer. What you are hiding is hurting you. What's the solution? Admit your pain to God and admit it to someone you trust. See, King David later wrote this. He said, finally, I confessed all my sins to you. I stopped trying to hide my guilt, and you forgave me. All my guilt is gone. Admit it to God. Admit it to people you trust. I do this. I meet every week with accountability partners. Every week I say, hey, here's what's going on in my life. Here are my struggles. Here are my failures. Here are my needs. Pray for me. Why do I do that? It's the same reason that we wash our hands. We wash our hands in this pandemic season because this keeps us from getting sick. We put hand sanitizer on to keep us from getting sick. When you admit your failures to God and others, it's like you're giving your soul a wash. You're saying, I'm washing my soul. I'm admitting my failures to you, God. I don't want sin sickness to infect me. And maybe you're saying, well, I don't know who I can trust. Who's someone that I can go to and, and share my failures? If you don't have anyone, I want to invite you to join us Friday nights at 7 o'clock at Celebrate Recovery. This is a safe place to find people that you can talk to, that you can say, hey, here's what's going on in my life, and you could admit where you're struggling. You could admit your hurts. Is there a hidden sin in your life? Is there a failure that you have not admitted to God or someone you trust? Revealing is the first step to healing. Make a choice today. In fact, choose right now. Say, God, I'm going to admit this to you right now. Just tell God something like this. Say, God, I'm going to admit this. And you say what it is. You know what it is in your heart. Say, God, I admit this is sin. God, this is killing me. Just tell him that. And say, God, I'm going to tell someone that I trust. Please forgive me. If you do that, he will. How do I find healing from emotional sickness? I admit my sins. Number two, get rid of jealousy. Here's another place the Bible talks about sickness in our bones. 
A heart at peace gives life to the body. A heart at peace means I'm at peace with who I am and what I have. But envy rots the bones. Underline that. Envy rots the bones. Envying other people. Looking at others and what they have and saying, man, I wish I had their possessions. I wish I had their position. I wish I had their personality. And thinking, I wish I was that person. God says, that will rot your bones. Here's what the Bible says. Don't love money. Be satisfied with what you have. For God has said, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. That is a promise. God says, I will never fail you. So who are you comparing yourself to? See, peace comes from realizing that God made you to be you. He didn't make you to be somebody else. God made you you. You are the person he created you to be. Say, God, I want to discover who you created me to be. Peace comes from realizing, God, you have given me everything I need right now to be happy. And if I need it to be happy, you'll give it to me. And if I don't have it, then I don't need it. Getting rid of this will give you peace. But comparing yourself to others will steal your peace. Admit, admit your jealousy. Admit it to God. Don't admit it to the person you're jealous of. Admit it to God. Maybe pray something like this. Say, God, thank you for the life you've given me. God, I want to be the person you created me to be. Then just recognize, God, I have everything I need to be happy right now. That'll give you peace. How do we find healing from emotional sickness? We admit our failures to God and those we trust. Get rid of jealousy. And then number three, choose to forgive. And here's one more verse about bones, and I need you to stick with me on this one. Proverbs 12, verse 4 says, A worthy wife is a crown for her husband, but a disgraceful woman is like cancer in his bones. Now, husbands, do not elbow your wife right now. That is not a good move. Valentine's Day is coming. You may read this and think, God's saying, I married the wrong person. That's probably not what God's saying to you. Usually the problem is not that you married the wrong person. The problem is you are treating the person you married wrong. It causes a broken relationship. Broken relationships cause stress. The Apostle Peter, one of Jesus' closest friends, wrote this. He said, you husbands must give honor to your wives. Treat your wife with understanding as you live together. She may be weaker than you are, speaking physically, but she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. Treat her as you should, so your prayers will not be hindered. I want you to underline that phrase, treat her as you should. Treat her with care. I want you to picture that brand new smartphone. You got that thing and it costs you, you know, several hundred dollars. And then what's the first thing you do? Do you throw it around the room to see how much 
damage this thing can take? See how durable this thing is? No! You go out and you buy a $50 phone case to put on that bad boy. You put a protective screen on it. You do everything you can to keep it safe. Why? Because you value it. Are you treating your wife with value? Broken relationships cause stress. This happens to me. I'll have a disagreement with my wife. We'll, we'll say things to each other that we shouldn't say, hurtful things, and then she'll go off her way and I'll go off my way. And it stresses me out to have that broken relationship. A selfish part of me wishes I could just ignore her and go play video games and watch TV and ignore that relationship. But I can't. I will sit in my room and mope until I swallow my pride, I calm down, and I go to her and I admit what I did wrong. I'm not saying that it's all my fault, but I'm saying, look, I know I shouldn't have said this. I know this was wrong. Will you please forgive me? And then I wait. And after she has calmed down, then I share my feelings. Then I say, when you said this, when you did this, this is how it made me feel. When, when you said that, that, that made me feel very disrespected, like you don't respect me. When you stormed out of the room, it made me feel like you want to leave me. I share my feelings. I ask for forgiveness. We've got to restore that relationship. Broken relationships hurt us inside, and refusing to forgive bitterness spreads like cancer. God warns, watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. Just this week, I heard the sad, sad story of a young lady, young lady who used to live here. She was connected to a good church, not this one. She loved God. She loved people. She loved to serve others. She was a nurse. She served in our community. But then the unthinkable happened. Her sister committed suicide. She was crushed inside. She was so hurt. And she blamed her father. Her father had been abusive to them. And she blamed her father. Now, maybe this was partly his fault. But she refused to forgive him. And that bitterness destroyed her. She quickly went downhill mentally, emotionally, physically. In the end, she was completely delusional. So sad. So tragic. Bitterness destroyed her. Just a side note to the dads. Dads, we have the power to inspire our daughters or to destroy them. Choose to inspire your daughters. If you have a broken relationship with your daughter, don't leave it broken. Make things right. Is there a relationship in your life right now that's broken? It takes two people to restore a relationship, but it only takes one 
to forgive. Choose to forgive. Choosing to forgive is the best decision you can make for yourself. It brings healing. Now, forgiving does not mean that you say it didn't hurt you. Forgiving is not saying that they didn't do anything wrong. Forgiving is simply saying, God, I'm giving this pain to you. God, I'm giving the right to get even to you. You will handle this. Choose to forgive. Will you pray this with me? Say, God, I'm releasing this person to you. There's someone in your life that has hurt you. Say, God, I'm releasing this person to you. You will right every wrong. You will bring justice. I fully forgive them. Making that choice will free you. It'll bring health. It'll bring strength. Friends, there are so many healthy tidbits I could give you. I could talk about eating right. I could talk about exercising. I could talk about getting enough sleep. But if you don't make the choice to please God more than anyone else, if you don't make the choice to turn from what you know is wrong, it won't make any difference. You could have the healthiest routine, but guilt, jealousy, and bitterness will eat you alive. Friends, turn that over to God. God doesn't want that for you. God wants you to be healthy and strong from the inside out. Choose today. The most important choice you can make is to give Christ control of your life. It's to say, Jesus, I'm tired of doing things my way. My way doesn't work. Say, Jesus, from now on, I'm going to go your way. From now on, you are in control. From now on, it's what you know is best for me. I'm not going to depend on my own wisdom. I will choose to please you and turn from what I know will hurt me. Will you give Christ control of your life? The Bible says, in all your ways, know God, and he will make your path straight. Let's pray. Father in heaven, you know best. You know how life is supposed to work. God, we want health and strength from the inside out. We want a life of peace and joy down inside our bones. God, help us to fear you, to care more about what you think than everyone else, to want to please you more than we please ourselves. God, we don't want to face the consequences of choosing to disobey you. Lord, help us. Help us to turn from what we know is wrong. Help us to follow you. We love you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you.